0: Okay, boys and girls. It's now time for Treks in Sci-Fi.
1: Hello everyone. This is Rico and welcome back to Treks in Sci-Fi. It's February the 5th, 2006. This is show number 24. We're going to have a good show this week. Going to be looking at another original series Star Trek episode. Talk about some email as usual and some other uh, sci-fi television and movies and just some general fun. So stand by. Here we go, everyone. Treks in sci-fi.
2: My greetings and felicitations, Captain. Are you challenging me to a duel? If you have the courage. <laughs> but you always stop me when I'm having fun.
3: Stand by to receive our transmission.
1: Hey there, everybody. It's Rico, of course, and this is Trex in Sci-Fi. Hopefully everyone's had a nice week, and we're going to have another uh, fun show this week for you. The, um, the main topic for uh, later in the show on the Star Trek side of things is going to be uh, the original series episode, The Squire of Gothos. This is... Uh, it's, it's generally a, uh, a real good fan-favorite type episode. I enjoy it a lot. It's got a lot of the good elements and hallmarks of the original series in it. Uh, a good conflict, a good adversary for Captain Kirk and his crew. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it was uh, interesting to go through the episode again and collect up the audio for it. There's, uh, there's a lot of really, really good scenes and, and audio in this episode, just like there are in most of the original series, at least for me. And I managed to uh, grab about 10 different little audio clips. I probably could have grabbed a lot more. Uh, this, uh, this episode, for some reason for me, was a little harder to pick and choose what uh, audio I picked, uh, picked to sh- listen and share with you guys. So hopefully I, uh, I hit the highlights, I think. Um, the first couple of things I want to talk about are just some general announcements. Uh, one, again, uh, if you're new to the show, welcome. Welcome to Trucks and Sci-Fi. Uh, if you're a long-time listener, uh, I'm, I'm really glad you're sticking with uh, the show. I, I hope you're still enjoying it uh, as much as I am in, in producing and making it. It's um, It's been a good ride. I, I've met a lot of interesting people online through email and through the forums on the the website, which is uh, just treksandsci-fi.com. That's the easiest one to remember and go to. So, um, again, the email for the show, I'll just get that out of the way, is treksf at gmail.com. If you've got a comment about the uh the program, or if you've got a, just a general comment about sci-fi, TV, movies, or whatever. I've also been trying to get a lot of people to send me audio comments to include in the show. I've got one, uh, kind of a lengthy comment that somebody sent in uh, about The Square of Gothos. This is one of my listeners from South America and Brazil, uh, Ricardo Santiago, who sent some email to me before. I'll be playing that in a little bit. So, Ricardo, uh, stand by. Your, uh, your audio comments on The Square of Gothos are coming up. But um, let's see, what else has been going on with me this week? Um, I did watch a sci-fi-type movie uh, that I rented a couple of days ago called The Cave. Now, this film, I think, was out, oh, I don't know, maybe 6, eight, ten months ago, sometime in, in 2005. And basically, this, this movie was uh, aliens in a cave. It, it was these group of explorer-type people that were... Um, exploring in an underwater, and and not completely underwater, but there were air pockets and air areas inside this cavern underneath uh, this church. Uh, I'm not even really sure where the setting was, what country they were in. It was somewhere European, I believe. But, uh, and then they they started to uh, get sort of picked off by these alien-like creatures in in the caverns, which which turned out to be, uh, well, let's just say they weren't really from another planet, without giving too much away. Actually, I thought the... uh, I thought the movie was pretty good. There was uh, some pretty good action, some suspense, and as a rental, it was not that bad. So, uh, so I think that uh, that movie would be enjoyable if you like that kind of thing. And it was only really rated PG-13, so it's not too too intense. Not maybe quite as intense as the as the Alien films are. But uh, so I, I watched that uh, a couple of days
2: ago. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment. On the Sci-Fi Podcast Network,
1: tsfpn.com. I'd also like to encourage people if you haven't checked it out yet, and it may be a little late to do this, but there's an NBC Sci-Fi TV series called Surface, which which has been really good. It's it's not really too far fetched what they've what they've delved into in the show, and I think they're doing a really really good job with uh, building the the story and the and the suspense and the characters and that—it's on Monday nights, and at least in the United States, on NBC, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The, the the reason I want to mention it this week is this Monday night is actually going to be already the season finale. That's uh, it's at 8 o'clock, like I said, Eastern Time. It's a one-hour season finale, and everything's kind of building up to this uh, this episode. Now, I believe iTunes—you can download the previous episodes for this uh, for Surface. You can also see reruns of the other episodes uh, on the Sci-Fi Channel, but I, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, my younger son and I have been watching it together, and uh, it, it's a it's a good little show. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things that they've been doing on it, and I'd I'd highly recommend you check it out, and you know maybe watch the uh, finale at the uh, on Monday night, and, and let me know what you think. Uh, the um, the reason I think the finale is, is happening so early and you know, not quite like most season finales happen like April, May, and that kind of time frame is I think the uh, I think the Olympics that are coming up, the Winter Olympics, are interfering with it. And I, I, they just basically showed all the, the new shows straight through. It's kind of having a shorter season, though, only like 15 or 16 episodes total. So uh, that's Surface. Check it out if you get a chance. And uh, let me know what you think. Hopefully it'll be back on next year. Uh, for a second season, because they've really set a lot of things up this year for the show, and it would be kind of a shame if it just kind of ended, because I know that with the season finale, they're not really going to resolve a lot of what's been going on, so so that's Surface. Check it out. And um, I've also, of course, still been enjoying the Sci-Fi Friday, Stargates, uh, Battlestar Galactica is just awesome. They had a great episode on this past Friday, dealing with a uh, kind of a lone wolf rogue Cylon um uh, Fighter out there that was picking off Viper pilots. If you're familiar with the show, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but there's a lot more to it. I'm not going to give too much away on the episode, but I thought it was a really, really strong episode. That also is another series that's available uh, at a dollar ninety-nine a pop on iTunes, which, which I think is is not bad uh, as far as what you get for that. And I hear the quality of it's pretty good. I'm even tempted to just download one as a as a test just to see how good it looks. Uh, and the quality of it and that. so um, but this uh, you know Battlestar is continuing to be a great uh, a great TV series, uh, I think Ron Moore and his com- crew and company have d- have done an awesome job. Uh, I was a very hesitant person at first. I think I've talked about this before. I was a big fan of the original series and it's been difficult or it was at first to kind of accept a new Battlestar, but uh, I can still really look fondly on the old series. And, but I also do enjoy the new one also. Um, so check it out if you haven't yet. Okay. And, um, I think with that, let's, uh, without any further ado, let's get into our, uh, email segment. I only have a couple of them to talk about, uh, this week. Incoming transmission, Captain. Uh, the first, uh, email that I wanted to talk about is from my friend, Chris Young. We've, uh, we've chatted on email before and i think i've mentioned him on the podcast uh chris is also from my era of the original series and grew up with it and and built a lot of of his own props and replicas and things like that um the thing i wanted to mention i'm not going to really read his email specifically because we just kind of chatted back and forth on a few emails but there are a couple of interesting websites that chris pointed out to me and there are links to these on the um the forums on my website. So you just go to uh, the Trek SF or, or Treks and Sci dot com, go to the forums area, and there are two links there. One, one that he pointed out is a really cool website that has like basically every Star Trek blueprint set that was put out. And, and if people aren't familiar with this, uh, over the years, starting with the original series, uh, a, a guy named Franz Joseph put out a set of blueprints uh years and years ago probably oh probably 30 25 30 years ago was the first set and basically he took the uh the enterprise the original enterprise and drew blueprints uh exterior views interior of where all the where everything was inside the ship engineering sick bay all that uh crew quarters and then they've done this with all the subsequent series a lot of fan made ones also that that drew uh Prints up of things that had never been seen uh, on on any of the Star Trek series. There are bridge blueprints, um, just all different kinds of ship blueprints, and it's a really really cool site. Basically, the guy, someone, has taken all these blueprints and scanned them and put them on the web, which which is a neat thing because a lot of these things are very difficult, if not impossible, to find anymore. You can find them probably on eBay occasionally and that kind of stuff, but. A lot of these print sets were not put out in mass quantities in bookstores. Uh, A couple of the sets were, but a lot of them were not. Uh, I have several of these, of course, in in my collection, but uh, this is a neat thing this guy did anyway. So there is a website, and I will try to put that website for the blueprints uh, directly in the show notes for this podcast. Uh, The other uh, interesting link Chris sent me was for uh, the uh, sort of... um, what happened to the Galileo shuttlecraft from the original series there are some really kind of uh, well depressing photographs that he found uh, on this guy's website of that Galileo uh replica or not really a replica I guess you call it but the, the set the uh the shuttlecraft itself that was used like in the Galileo 7 episode where it's basically sitting in this junkyard almost looking place along with buses and cars and it's in really bad shape it's 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 very sad. I mean that that this kind of stuff happened to to a lot of these things. But uh, anyway, I will also link that up in the if you're interested to see that. And there's some other information on the Galileo shuttle and and some good photographs of what it looked like to begin with and later and that kind of stuff. So I will put that link also in the show notes. So thanks for those uh those links, Chris. That's really uh really neat stuff. So thank you very much. And we'll go on to our uh, next uh, email. Got an email from uh, just a guy named Sean, and uh, this was a real short and sweet uh, email. Basically, uh, Sean just said uh, that my podcast is great, Trex and Sci-Fi is great, keep it up, Sean. So thanks for that email, Sean. Again, if, if anyone also wants to email or go to voicemail, the voicemail, I don't think I mentioned that one yet this time for this week. It's 206-88-TREX. And that's a, uh, a voicemail line. You can leave comments there, and I check it. And they, if you leave me some voicemail, there's a good chance it'll probably make it on uh, the podcast. So please do that. Or you can just send direct audio, uh, like a recorded MP3, and send it to me at treksf at gmail.com. All right, the last, uh, last little comment, email, that I want to talk about. It's not really an email. This is the uh, audio commentary that uh, Ricardo from brazil sent me and this is some audio he he's discussing the episode that we're going to talk about here squire of Gothos. so that'll lead into our next segment because the email section is pretty much done i've talked about the general uh sci-fi stuff i wanted to say and um that's about that so uh without further ado here are ricardo's comments on the squire of Gothos. listen up
4: hi rico this is santiago from brazil well, this was not one of those episodes that I remember by name, so I went and the StarTrek.com site to refresh my memory. Two observations jumped to my mind as I read the commentary the story again. This was one of those many episodes where aliens, powerful aliens, have nothing better to do with their amazing powers than to mimic Earth pastimes. Now come on, this is too much Earth-centric. So much that offends my logic, and I amazingly welcome. I praise my logic. To make clear my point, I counted, of the eighty original series episodes, on seven of, we had aliens mimicking earth either old western usa either ancient rome greek gods etc and on another seven episodes the enterprise crew either arrived at planets that had evolved to be equal to earth in the past not just similar but really equal down to the swastika symbols for those of you who are not believing what I'm telling, I will post on the forum the number of episodes, the episode numbers, in case someone wants to check.
1: Okay, thank you, uh, thank you for the comments, Ricardo. Um, the email, or the sorry, the audio voicemail goes on a little bit longer. I might play a little bit later, a little bit more of that uh, if I get chance. But that was the general gist of the. Uh, not so much about the Squire of Gothos episode specifically, but his commentary on, oh, how they basically took uh, and had so many Earth-centric or Earth-based uh, episodes in the original uh, Star Trek series. And I, yeah, that's that's kind of true. I mean, the obvious reasons are it's a production thing, it's budgetary, and all that. But in a lot of those episodes, Ricardo, just just to you know make a quick comment, there were reasons for what what they ended up seeing. A lot of times it was what they called like uh, Earth contamination or, or people messing with the Prime Directive. The one with the Nazism and the swastikas thing that that was uh, patterns of force. That was because there was an Earth person that had gone to that planet and basically contaminated their culture with that kind of uh, of reasoning and that kind of ideas uh, for for what happened to them. And, and you know he thought it went away. It was a good system to keep. Uh, you know, governments and, and things running. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that episode right now, but there were reasons. Uh, in Square of Gothos, it's um, Trelane, and I'm going to talk about this more when we get more into the heart of the episode. There are reasons, again, for this. But yeah, I can't really argue. There are a lot of episodes where they do have end up with a planet or, or meet aliens that are very Earth-like situations. that They look like us. Uh, they talk like us. The planets are like ours to some degree, so... But again that's that's usually just because of the budget and and the time so I just try to take the more of um, what the basics of the story or what's really happening for uh, the crew of the enterprise and what they're what they're involved in and what the aliens are going through rather than um, you know, just oh, hey, here's a here's an alien culture based on, on the Nazis, or here's one based on the Greek gods. Um, it's difficult to explain, but let's just get into um, the Squire of Gothos, and maybe I can make you think about a couple other things, maybe about the episode, uh, to maybe enjoy it a little bit better. But anyway, uh, really appreciate your comment, uh, Ricardo, and uh, anyone else. Again, like I said in the past, send them in for the shows, either. Uh, for the previous week, uh, you can talk, you know, comment about that, and I can play it on the next show or however we work it out. So, without any further ado, let's get into uh, the main Star Trek topic: the Square of Gothos. To start off with, as usual, I'm going to play the audio for the preview of the episode. Now, this audio for the preview was, again, these preview episode or pre- preview clips, excuse me, were not always the greatest for. Uh, for Star Trek, especially the original series, there's not a lot of uh, actual dialogue in it. So, but I'm going to play it anyway, and uh, we'll uh, segue into that. So, here we go. Square of Gothos, listen up.
3: Captain's log, Stardate twenty-one twenty-six point one. We are weaponless and powerless, unwilling guests of the creature who calls himself Trelane. I must say,
2: they make a perfectly exquisite display pair.
0: I object to you. I object to intellect without discipline. Mr. Spock,
2: you do have one saving grace after all. You're ill-mannered.
3: You will hang by the neck until you are dead. I want you to leave my crewmen alone. And I want you to leave my crew women alone too. Are you ready? As the one challenged, I claim the first
2: shot.
1: Okay, there we have the intro preview for the Squire of Gothos. Now this is a uh, an original uh, Star Trek uh, or the original series of Star Trek episode, first season. Uh, fairly early in in the season. So there are things in this episode that are a little bit uh, different and there are crew members in this episode that you don't see a lot of like DeSalle, for example. But this episode was written by uh, Paul Schneider. Uh, It featured the the main uh, adversary for Kirk and Crew of course is is the Squire of Gothos uh, Trelane, played by William Campbell. You know, William Campbell uh, I think uh, in this episode and, and and he also ends up in a couple other Star Trek episodes in the future, I think he does a great job. And, again, I I, I find myself, I tend to say that a lot with uh, with what I'm doing on the podcast and Star Trek episodes, oh, you know, this actor did a great job, they're doing a great job, great job. Um, it's difficult to have uh, or to, to not say that in a way because, and I think I said this on last week's podcast. Somebody has mentioned to me that I should I should review some of the Clunker episodes, and I probably will do that sometime. But for this in particular, I think uh, they got a very, the, the, you know, William, excuse me, clearing the mouth. Uh, the character of Trelane called for a certain kind of actor, uh, almost larger than life and sort of pompous and, and, the look of him, and I just think William Campbell uh, fits the bill really well for uh, for that character. You know, William Campbell also goes on to play Koloth in the Trouble with Tribbles episode, and he actually turns up on a Deep Space Nine episode in the future, um, still playing Koloth in, uh, in that episode with Kor and Kang and Dax, uh, that, which is a cool episode called Blood Oath. A very good Deep Space Nine episode, which I'm probably going to actually uh, review that at some point in the future. But anyway, let's get back to uh, the Squire of Gothos. Now, this uh, there are there are things here. One um, that I wanted to mention: this episode, and like Ricardo kind of mentioned in his commentary, they uh, they kept this episode fairly low budget. I mean, there are the, the sets and things that they used here for for Trelane's uh, castle place. There was some stock footage there. They didn't really spend a lot of money. There's even the Salt Vampire from the first episode, the Man Trap, uh, that you see in Trelane's. Uh, uh, inside his castle. So, and they had a lot of the a lot of the set dressing and pieces that they used in this episode were really part of Paramount and on the lot and things like that. So this this was one of those episodes where they they tried to come up with an interesting good story, but they didn't want to spend a lot of money on a lot of either uh, location shooting or building new things. They just kind of used what they had, and I think they do a really really good job with uh, with that with a limited budget and and showing you that. You don't need to spend a huge amount of money on on a piece of uh, you know a television at this time or Star Trek or anything, and, and still really have a solid, uh, interesting and enjoyable and fun episode. Now, Trelane is this sort of mischievous little um, character that that Kirk and his crew can't quite figure out at first. He he seems powerful. He has these abilities, but he he also asks X excuse me acts kind of immature and, and that's uh, difficult for of course Kirk and crew to kind of figure out but I'm probably getting a little ahead of myself the uh, The thing I wanted to mention along those lines though is that the character of Trelane is a lot like the character of Q in the later Next Generation series and there's been some people and fans hypothesizing that the, the race of alien beings that Trelane belongs to could also easily be uh connected to uh uh, q in other words they're they're really from the same species or same alien race uh there was even a novel written that that explored those possibilities and i can't recall off the top of my head the name of that particular book but i read it and it was a good book and i probably still have it laying around here somewhere but um i just can't recall the name of it off the top of my head somebody if you can remember shoot me an email or write it on the forum and, and let me know and i'll uh i'll try to put that in the podcast notes um the uh, Or I'll look it up on Amazon or try to find out before I uh, finish off this podcast. So let's get into uh, the next audio clip, which is just a little... Uh, it's near the beginning of the episode still. This is a uh, Spock talking about what's happened and Kirk and Sulu have disappeared and what's been going on in the Enterprise. Trelane took them away. So this is uh, about a minute long clip. So listen to this.
0: ship's log, date 2124.5. First Officer Spock reporting for Captain James Kirk. We are orbiting the lone, unrecorded planet in the star desert. For four hours, we have made every possible instrument sweep. But Captain Kirk and helmsman Sulu remain unaccounted for. I have placed the ship on red alert.
3: We've searched again from stem to stern. If they're not down on that planet, they're nowhere. No sign of human life on the surface, sir. Unless the instruments aren't functioning.
0: Function is normal. Continue sensor sweeps. Lieutenant Uhura, have you checked all wave bands? All of them, Mr. Spock. No response. With due respect, sir. Request permission to transport to the surface immediately and carry out search. I second to Sal's request. What are we waiting for? The decision will be mine, Doctor. I have the responsibility for your safety. Yeah,
1: there, um, You have a situation like has happened in a few times in, in Star Trek, um. especially in the early seasons. Of, of Spock having to be in command and, and Kirk being off somewhere else, and that's always uh, an interesting situation because you know Spock is not—he—he he, he basically, I mean, he's a—he's—he's he's a smart scientist. He's a Vulcan. He's very logical, but he really is not the best person for command. He—he he doesn't have that gut instinct that he can rely on like Kirk does, and that that really is difficult for him. Another good good original series episode of the Galileo Seven. It really really drives this point home uh, to, a, to a degree that uh, isn't really seen in other episodes. I'll probably talk about the Galileo 7 at some point, too. That's another, that would be a good episode to, to look at. So, so you have Kirk uh, and Sulu gone, and Spock's trying to decide what to do, but they're not really having much luck. The, their instruments aren't reading them, and they're trying to find out what's going on. Um, Again, the crew and and the actors are doing a a good job with this, and and it's interesting how the relationships are forming. You can see in this early episode between McCoy, Spock, Kirk, uh, and some of the other crew members. So, The next uh, clip that I'd like to play for you is um, a little bit later on. This is just um, down on the planet when Trelane first meets up with the captain, and I think this is a really neat little clip like uh trelane just has a lot of wonderful william campbell uh gets to deliver a lot of you know really fun dialogue in this episode uh and and he he is purposely i think over the top with it to some degree and i think that fits his character very well he's he's almost um playing and acting uh within the episode the character of trelane is he he's trying to be uh showing off and he's trying to impress, uh, you know, impress the crew, impress Kirk and his crew uh, about his, his place that he lives in there on the planet, on Gothos, and his his abilities and, and all of his sort of pomposity. Is that a word? That's not a word. Uh, pompous nature uh, is, uh, is not really working on, on Kirk and company. So listen to this. This is a
3: good clip. I'm Captain James Kirk of the United Starship Enterprise.
2: Ah, so you are the captain of these brave lads. My greetings and felicitations, Captain. So good of you and your officers to uh, <laughs> drop in. Absolutely smashing. Who are you? Where do you come from? General Trelane, retired. At your service, sirs. My home is your home.
1: Yeah, I love uh, I love Trelane and, and the harpsichord harpsichord playing. I noticed in the episode, uh, I he could have probably done a little bit better job at, at at faking that. Although although when you think about it, maybe he really wasn't trying to do that. You know, maybe the character of Trelane was 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 just showing that you know he didn't even really need to play it; it could play itself because he ha- he was so powerful and he had these abilities and that. So that's difficult to say. But I just noticed his fingering, and I'm not a I did a little piano a long, long time ago, and uh, um, but I'm not an expert at that kind of uh, playing a harpsichord or organ or piano. But I I know enough to to know he was uh, he was not uh, trying very hard. (laughs) But most of the time, he's just talking to Kirk and smiling a lot. So, uh, but that's a fun little uh, fun little clip. The uh, this episode uh, it usually shows up in probably the top ten, maybe well, maybe not top ten, but top twenty. I'd say when people have to pick you know, favorite episodes of the original series, uh, it usually stands out. And there are, there are a number of reasons, I think, for that. Uh, you get to see the, the crew sort of out of their element to some degree. Uh, the superpower for alien kind of episodes are always fun. Uh, those were always fun when Q came aboard the, the next generation. And, you know, there, there's this conflict between, this direct conflict between Trelane and Captain Kirk That's a real interesting situation, and it's really interesting. i got some clips coming up that will show some of that more, but the other thing that's interesting, I think, is is how Trelane uh, can't quite deal with uh, Mr. Spock, and he is a very emotional being, Uh, Trelane is, and he's pompous and arrogant and over-the-top, and none of that stuff really affects or works on uh, Mr. Spock. He's very unimpressed by a lot of that, so and there there's a good audio clip coming up shortly that 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 shows that real well and i think that's a that's a real fun situation to to put everyone in so we're going to go on now in the episode this is uh there's a neat little clip here with um spock is able to penetrate the the field or the interference around the planet to some degree actually they can't but they they tend they they end up trying to beam up everyone uh all the human beings down there And this clip is what leads into
2: that. So listen to this. And they must be all very beautiful. And I shall be so very gallant to them. Here, let me fetch them down at
3: once. No. No. This game has gone on long enough. Those are crucial operating personnel. I can do anything I want. I should think that you would have realized that by now.
0: Captain, receiving a transporter
3: signal. Transporter signal?
2: What does he mean?
3: You must tell me! It means, Trelaine, The party's over, thanks to Mr. Spock.
2: Wait! I won't have this! I haven't dismissed you yet! Stop! I won't have this!
3: Everyone, stations. Report, Mr. Spock.
0: How are our scanners able to penetrate that radiation field? They didn't, Captain. Not clearly. We merely beamed up all life forms in a given area. Which means Trelane is not a life form as we know it, or he'd be beaming through now.
3: Prepare to warp out of here at once, maximum speed.
1: So, uh, so you can see Trelane's not going to be very happy with uh, with Mr. Spock. It's fu- it's interesting and funny, you know. The um, the premise or the idea with this part of this episode is that Trelane, you know, he's this super being, but he's actually they're 900 light years from Earth. Okay, so. The idea is that Trollein has the ability somehow to see what's going on on Earth, but since they're nine, this Gothos, this planet that he's he's created, basically, is 900 light years away from from Earth, he's seeing actually what's going on on Earth, but 900 years in the past. So the the era of the castle and the harpsichord playing and the suits of armor and all that kind of kind of uh, stuff and accoutrements that are in his his place there. Are based on him looking at Earth, 900 years in the past, and you can see he doesn't understand. You know the the, the how Kirk and his crew have gotten there—the starships, transporters, phaser weapons. You know all that stuff is is sort of alien and, and unknown to Trelane, and it shows they they start to slowly discover in this episode. You know that um, that Trelane, while he has all these abilities and superpowers, he's not. You know, all-knowing, all-powerful, because he makes mistakes like this, and that, that proves to be partially his undoing in the end, so I think those are inter- interesting things, you know, usually Kirk um, one of the key things that they did a lot in the original series was that they'd run into these situations, you know, a, a super being or super powerful alien race that was difficult to handle, except there'd usually be this sort of Achilles heel or one flaw that they had, and, and Trelane here, you know, part of his flaw is his sort of arrogance, but also the fact that he doesn't have all the all the knowledge he really needs to, to deal with Kirk and and his crew so um, the next clip is is a good one which I alluded to a little while ago which is this is a uh, this is an exchange between mr. Spock and Trelane and I think this one is uh, a, a good uh, a good example of, of what Trelane's all about and and how he has trouble dealing with uh, our favorite Vulcan so
3: uh, listen to this clip I believe you have met our science officer, Mr. Spock. You do realize, don't you, that it's in deference to the
2: captain that I brought you here? Affirmative. Well, I don't know if I like your tone. It's most challenging. Is that what you're doing, challenging me? I
0: object to you. I object to intellect without discipline. I object to
2: power without constructive purpose. Oh, Mr. Spock, you do have one saving grace after all. You're ill-mannered. The human half of you, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like
1: how uh, Spock, Leonard Nimoy, just delivers those lines directly to uh, Trelane, really cutting him down, basically. You know, intellect without without reason and purpose is, is totally uh, against everything Spock understands and believes in. And, and Trelane just goes, well, huh. You're ill-mannered. I I you shouldn't be talking to me like that. I'm I'm the squire of Gothos, you know, General Trelane, retired. So I I'd like that clip a lot, so Anywho, uh let's move along. Now the um you know, he eventually Trelane pulls down uh, you know the whole bridge crew along with a yeoman, Lieutenant Uhura, who he, he magically makes her able to play on the harpsichord and a lot of neat little things like that. I Another nice thing about this episode is how they they do use other members of the crew, you know, DeSalle, which I've always liked his character. I think I talked about him a little bit before um, when I did the episode uh, Cat's Paw when I reviewed that one. I, he was a really interesting character. I, I liked his brashness. He was sort of like a younger version of Kirk to some degree, and maybe that's why they didn't end up using him for very long because he was he was a little too Kirk-like perhaps. But um, But they all get a little of something to do. There's even this uh, geologist, uh, Jaeger, um, the scientist that comes down, and uh, a German guy, which which is a neat thing, too, which is is another uh, thing of Gene Roddenberry, you know, trying to put all uh, major kind of players on on the planet Earth, you know, German, they have a Russian, uh, uh, of course, American-type people, who knows, you know, maybe if they're Canadian, perhaps. I mean, William Shatner is, is actually a Canadian in real life, although... Kirk's uh, character was always meant to uh, be basically from the United States. Uh, he's mentioned in a couple of places and times that he came from Iowa. So, um, but, you know, Gene Roddenberry always wanted to have a multinational uh, crew on the ship. And, you know, you have DeSalle, a Frenchman. You have uh, Jaeger in this, a German. So those are those are nice twists. You know, he just doesn't throw another white guy, you know, from cornbread America in there. And I, I like that. So, Let's go on, and we're gonna to go to a clip now where uh, of course the big confrontation that happens, which is uh, Captain Kirk uh, challenging um, General Trelane to to a duel. and basically he starts to learn that that Trelane just needs to be kind of taken down a peg. So listen to this clip.
3: Yes, I want you to leave my crewmen alone. I want you to leave my crew women alone too. You are not to dance with him. I don't like it. Did it actually make you angry, Captain? I don't want you accepting his gifts, either. Captain, please don't...
2: Why, I do believe that the dear Captain is jealous of me. I don't care
3: what you believe. Just keep your hands off her. Oh, how curiously human,
2: how wonderfully barbaric.
3: I've had enough of your insulting attentions
2: to her. Of course you have. After all, that's the root of the matter, isn't it? You fight for the attention, the admiration, the possession of women. If it's fighting that you want, you may have it. Are you challenging me to a duel? If you have the courage. Oh, this is better than I'd planned. I shall not shirk an affair of honor.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of fun there with uh, William Shatner going over the top. Uh, in, in the only way that, uh, or the only way that Shatner can do, uh, you know, I don't want you dancing with this guy, and blah blah blah. Uh, you kind of wonder when he's doing that how much he's really meaning it, and how much he's just sort of trying to rile Trelane up and 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 get him. So, uh, but I, I, that's a that's a fun time. The. Uh, the other things in this episode that, that are interesting is just the you know trelane himself uh and i think ricardo said this at the in his commentary you know you have this super being apparently able to do many many amazing things uh with just a thought or a wave of his hand but but he chooses to be this sort of uh, you know loose cannon and and he kind of uh, abuses these powers to some degree, but it all comes out in the end of, of, of why this is the case, that he really he, he is not mature enough t- to understand what to do with these powers, and that, I think, really makes the episode the ending. Um, but we're getting a, a little bit ahead again. The next, uh, you know, you, you end up having this duel with pistols uh, between Kirk and Trelane, and I didn't really c- collect that on audio because it was difficult. That doesn't really translate very well with audio, but kirk ends up uh instead of shooting trelane he shoots out this machine that that he discovers is is somewhat a a source or a slight aid to trelane and his abilities and his powers but there's a lot more to it than that there's a lot more you know that machine is not everything it's uh it's just a little help it it seems so um then we're gonna get into uh the clip now is where kirk um. The other crew people have gone back to the Enterprise, but but Kirk is now on trial for uh, defying, basically, uh, Trelane. So listen to this.
3: Those people have done you no harm. Inadmissible. We're living beings, not playthings for your amusement. Silence! This trial is over. You are guilty. On all
2: counts, you are guilty. And according to your own laws, this court has no choice in fixing punishment. You will hang by the neck, Captain, until you are dead, dead
1: dead Yeah, well that that went well. Uh doesn't look very good for Captain Kirk there. Uh but of course, he's the he's Captain Kirk. I mean, he's he's usually got another two or three angles up his sleeves working on them. So his angle here is to make things a little bit more interesting and a little more challenging for Trelane. He, uh, he tells Trelane that he doesn't want to just, you know, he's not going to just stick his head in the noose and, and let Trelane off him. So um, he has a new idea or a new challenge for, for uh, General Trelane, and that's going to be uh, what I'm going to play for you right now.
2: Now you may go hide in the forest anywhere you like, and I shall seek. How does that strike you, Captain? It
3: strikes me very well. But you'll have to make it worth my while, Truley. Why not up the stakes? The stakes? Yes. While we're playing our game, free my ship. Let it continue on its way. In return, I'll give you a contest you'll remember. Always back to your ship.
2: Oh, well. If it will add spice to the pursuit, I accept your terms, Captain. Remember, you must try not to let me find you too quickly.
3: Let me notify the Enterprise that it can go
2: at your convenience.
1: Okay, so our uh, our Captain Kirk of course has got a uh, a plan in mind there. He's he's trying to distract Trelane and keep him busy and and Make him uh, not really pay much attention to the Enterprise anymore, and let them get out, get away. Now, what what happens next again is difficult to uh, translate to the audio. It, you know, they have this little romp through the forest, uh, Trelane chasing Captain Kirk with a sword, and Captain Kirk eventually um, kind of outwits uh, Trelane, and and he and he just basically. He insults Trelane, and he, and, he, and he teaches him a lesson, basically, is the easiest way to say it. And what what happens in the ending here is what I'm going to play next, and that's where uh, a couple other aliens show up of, of Trelane's uh, race and species, which turn out to be his parents. And they're not too happy with, with their little son Trelane and what's what's been going on with him and uh, the crew of the Enterprise. So listen to this uh, audio
2: no you said i could have this planet for my very own
0: this has gone
2: far enough but you always stop me when i'm having fun you're disobedient and cruel we've told you before time to come in now Trelaine. but i don't want to come in and i won't i'm a general and i won't listen to you
0: enough Trelaine. come along
2: but why i didn't do anything wrong i was just playing
0: we said come along
2: but I haven't finished studying my predators yet this is not studying them
0: if you cannot take proper care of your pets you cannot have them at all
2: but I was winning I was winning they're beings Trelaine. they have spirit, they're superior no, no, you saw
0: you'll grow up Trelaine. you'll understand now come along
2: Oh, but you said I could you promised I'd never have any fun.
0: Stop that nonsense at once, or you'll not be permitted to make any more planets.
2: Oh, but you saw, I was winning. I would've won. <laughs> Honest.
0: No, Trilling.
2: No, Trilling. I would've. I would've. I would've. I would. I would. I would. would
0: captain we regret that the life paths of yourself and your companions
3: have been disturbed who are you who is Trelane
0: you must forgive our child the fault is ours for indulging him too much he will be punished
3: we would not have let him intercept you had we realized
0: your vulnerability forgive us captain we will maintain your life support conditions while you return to your ship
1: Please accept our apologies. Yeah, so uh, so there you have it. It seems that Trelane is just a spoiled little child uh, of these super beings. Uh, that's all he is, after all, and that um, he's going to be punished now. He was a bad boy, and I think that's that's really a neat idea. You know, that's been done in science fiction. Twilight Zone did that uh, a few times. Star Trek, of course, other series—they've done that idea where, um, you know, the, these um, necess- not necessarily um, so, well, they're super beings, but they don't necessarily have everything that they need to, to use the powers th- in the proper way. And I think that's a neat thing. Q did the same thing, like I said, and on um, the next generation, they—you know—that was uh, that was their kind of Trelane on there. So for Captain Picard and his crew. The uh, last clip I want to play for the episode, and then we're going to segue from that into our collectible uh, portion. This is just the, the usual wrap-up on the Bridge of the Enterprise, a good little exchange between uh, Captain Kirk uh, and Mr. Spock about uh, Trelane and, and what uh, what to make out of him. So listen to this, and then we'll have a little break and come back with uh, collectible talk and then some brief announcements about Big Show number 25 for next week. So uh, here we go.
3: Mr. Spock, still thinking about Trelane, is that it? For the record, Captain, how do we describe
0: him? Pure mentality, force of intellect, embodied energy, super-being. He must be classified, sir. God of war, Mr. Spock. Well, I hardly find that fitting. Then a small boy.
3: And a very naughty one at that. It will make a strange entry in the library banks. But then he was a very strange small boy. On the other hand, he was probably doing things comparable to the same mischievous pranks you played when you were a boy. Mischievous pranks, Captain? Yes, dipping little girls' curls in inkwells, stealing apples from the neighbors' trees, tying cans on. Forgive me, Mr. Spock. I should have known better. I shall be delighted, Captain.
1: I'm back. Uh, this week, uh, the collectible that I want to talk about is made by Sideshow Toys. It is a statue piece of the Dark Lord Sauron from the first Lord of the Rings movie, The Fellowship of the Ring. Now this item, I think I got it about, uh, six months or so ago. It's basically a, it's about a two foot tall statue of the way, uh, Sauron appeared in the beginning of the film, you know, when he's having that fight uh, with, uh, isn't it, Isildur, I believe, with his big mace, and he's wearing the one ring uh, Sauron is. This is a a really, really cool piece. It's extremely heavy, for one thing, but it's got a lot of detail. It's painted basically, you know, he's in black. He stands on on a sort of a rock base. And he's got a lot of uh, silverish detail and um, sort of dry-brushed silver look to him. He's holding his mace. He's got a, the cool big helmet on. And he's wearing, of course, the ring on his finger and on his sort of outstretched hand. And it's, it's a really, really nice uh, item. Now, Sideshow, I'm not sure if on their website uh, I'll link it up, but uh, I don't think these things are for sale anymore. I think they're now all sold out. But again, of course, you've always got your friendly neighborhood uh ebay to pick it up on it's not it's not a cheap piece by any means but it's very well done and the detail on it is i'm looking at actually as i'm talking about it uh it's sitting over here on the top of one of my uh bookcases it's uh it's it's really really nice if you're into the lord of the rings uh it's definitely something that you, you might think about getting it's uh, like i said not not real cheap costs costs a bit but um i don't know really what they're going for these days on ebay but it is um it is real nice they did a really really great job on this and i think um anybody that's into the lord of the rings would would love to have it so not really a lot to talk about it doesn't you know there's no electronics like the master replica and prop things um it's basically a statue that the cape work is nice they kind of dirtied up the cape for him he's got sort of mud splattered on it and the paint job uh again as usual in my collection and i'll link it up in the podcast notes there'll be uh some photographs of this piece uh, on, uh, on the website that you can see, which will probably tell you a lot more than, than just my verbal uh, description of it. Uh, so anyway, the Sideshow uh, Dark Lord of Sauron uh, piece from Sideshow Toys, awesome, awesome replica. And I think uh, for the collectibles, that'll do that for now. Now I'd, I'd like to talk just for a couple of seconds about uh, next week's show. It's gonna be uh, for Treks and sci-fi it's gonna be show number 25 um, that's gonna be a lot of fun I think got a few uh, uh, items that I wanted to say that uh, about the show it's uh, I'm gonna uh, break away a little bit from the Star Trek for next week's show I am going to on the on show 25 for next week I am going to talk about the first Star Wars film star wars episode four well the first one that was released a new hope now uh i know from the forums we've got at least one member on there that's not too much into star wars but i think that many you know most science fiction fans fantasy science fiction that probably listen to this podcast are are star wars uh fans maybe not to the level that that some are and, and some less or more but uh i thought it'd be fun for next week's episode uh podcast to to look at uh Star Wars uh, the first Star Wars film released and and what I'm gonna do in that episode is I'm gonna talk a lot about I'll, I'll throw in a little audio as usual but I'm gonna talk a lot about the the era of the first Star Wars film you know I'm a little uh, a little bit older than maybe a lot of the people that are listening to the show maybe not that much older but I saw the the original Star Wars in the film in the, the or the film in the theaters many times um, and I'm not gonna give too much away because I want to save it for next week's show but I'm gonna go into the uh, what what was going on um, at that in those times, and a little more background in, on the Star Wars, uh, the first film, than maybe some things that that people haven't heard before. So my take on it, primarily, of course, but because uh, it's my show, so uh, that'll be next week. And I'm not really positive. I probably will do a replica, probably some kind of a, either a blaster or a lightsaber, some Star Wars type piece. Haven't really decided on that yet. But and what I the last thing I wanted to mention for next week is. I am going to have a contest. Uh, other podcasts are doing this, and I thought it'd be kind of fun. I've got uh, oh, I've got various little items, and I'll decide before next week what I'm going to give away. It might be an action figure, uh, might be a small replica that I don't need anymore, I have a duplicate of, but something uh, more than likely it'll be some action figures, uh, maybe Star Wars related or Star Trek, but it's going to probably be some kind of a trivia contest, which I'll give people time to. Uh, email me with their answers and then uh what i'll do is those that have the correct answer i'll give it about a week between podcasts and then if there are multiple people with the correct answer what i will do is i will choose probably just randomly i'll put names in a hat and and choose randomly who wins if there are multiple correct answers so i thought that'd be fun for uh for an occasional podcast to throw a contest in and and get people to uh participate a little bit more i guess. So anyway, uh, that's about it for this week. Wrap things up. This is Rico again. Trex and Sci-Fi, show number 24 almost complete. Again, please uh, take a look at the the show notes. Uh, Take a look at the forums. Take a look at the website. I've tried to do a lot on there lately with the collection area, the gallery. Uh, I've got a lot more photos up in that uh, of uh, all the different props and replicas and collectibles that I have. So take a look. Send me some feedback. Tell me what you guys think. Hopefully... um, I've got a few new ideas for for improving the audio. Again, I always seem to talk about that to some degree and don't want to dwell on it too much, but I'm looking at a couple of different pieces of software. I still need to get a P-Guard thing for the microphone. I'm trying not to sit on top of the microphone when I talk, uh, when I record, so hopefully there weren't too many puff-type noises this week. Anyway, uh, I should wrap that up. Oh, one last thing I wanted to mention. I had the weirdest dream last night. I I, I don't I even know if I should really talk about this on the podcast. But, hey, what the heck. Put a little more of my personality into things. Uh, I was out with my wife, and we were in some kind of a store, maybe a craft-type store or something like that. And she was buying something, but it was taking, like, forever to check out. And I, I'm not really the most – I'm patient when it comes to certain things, like waiting in line for a new movie that's coming out I really want to see or – or, I don't know, uh, waiting for a, a DVD set that I'm really looking forward to to come out. At, you know, whatever. But Or building things, I'm patient with that. But, but standing in a store line, I'm not patient with that at all. So I tell her in this dream that I had uh, last night that I'm going to go wait outside. Well, still some more time goes by, and I'm just kind of walking around outside. And uh, and then she walks out, and I'm kind of down the way a little bit and not near her. Well, she ends up getting in the car, in a, in a different car with her brother, and they just sort of drive off and leave me, which which was uh, weird. But then the the weird thing about it is my car is still there. She she ends up getting in some other car with her brother and drives off, and and I get in my car. Well, actually, excuse me, let me back up a second or two. They're they're driving away, and I'm kind of yelling and waving, and uh, and then uh, the uh, the funny thing is my car is still sitting there, my red uh, Pontiac that I have. And I'm heading back towards it, but my car starts itself up and starts driving away, too. Now, there's probably some psychologist out there maybe listening to this podcast who who will analyze my dreams and, and, and let me know if I'm crazy or not. But I get back, and my car is starting to drive away. Well, I manage it. It's not going that fast yet. I, I manage to jump inside the car, but I I, uh, I can't really stop it. I can't control it. it. It's just moving along, and I'm afraid I'm going to like crash into something, so... I realized to myself I have a, a key in my pocket for the car, so I said, "Well, I can't seem to control it, but maybe I can shut the car off." So I—I I, I don't know what all this means. Uh, I stick the key in the in, in, excuse me the ignition, turn the car off. Well, it does it does shut off, but it's still been you know it still had speeded up a bit, and I have to uh, slow it down. And I'm trying to steer without any power steering and, and avoid hitting things and buildings. And uh, so then. Uh, what happens? I end up stopping the car. I kind of crash into like this this uh, haystack, and then I I, w- I get out of the car and I you know everything's okay. But I'm at some kind of like Renaissance festival, and there's people jousting and on a horseback around me. And then I look over and sitting on a bench is Patrick Stewart, you know Jean Luc Picard of the Next Generation, sitting there. And, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is a weird day. And maybe I should go over. He's all by himself and i and i uh i think to myself well maybe i should go over and 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 say hi to patrick and and just tell him that i really uh enjoyed his work on next generation and and, uh enjoyed the the tv series he did and and all that um but then i wake up that's that's basically the dream and uh i don't know what it means but yeah i i just found it amusing I, i i had that dream last night just before i woke up and uh there is probably some deep-seated meaning there of what's really wrong with me <laughs> but anyway i just thought i'd share that with the audience i hope you guys got a kick out of it uh or or if you didn't you could always skip through it well if you listened to it you didn't skip through it so i gotta get going I'm gonna edit edit up the show get it uploaded so i can uh watch the super bowl here in my hometown today uh and watch, uh, hopefully, some interesting commercials and previews for movies. They always have neat things on the Super Bowl, so I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, everyone, have a great week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, uh, our podcast on the Square of Gothos and other things, and my weird—you indulged me, hopefully, and listened to my weird dream uh, analogy— not analogy, uh, analysis or sequence that I described for you guys. Uh, Thanks again for all the good comments you guys have sent in, guys and women and, and people. I uh, really appreciate it. helps me continue to uh, put a lot of time and energy into the show. Check out the website and all that. And without further ado, everyone have a great week. I'll see you next week with Big Show 25, Contest, Star Wars, lots of good fun. So good night to everybody or goodbye. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Dostey production.